The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey fellow fit nerds, this is Monica Ellis with Superheroes Nutrition. So I'm here today to let you know in terms of maybe getting in shape, you love superheroes, you need a change in your life. I really want you guys to check us out. We have an Instagram, it's Superheroes Nutrition. I'm Wonder Woman on there um, and I'm here to set the example for individuals who need a change in their life. Everybody needs some motivation. Everybody needs some inspiration. Check out our page. We have superhero workouts. We're going to be launching um, a brand new fit kit pretty soon. And we have a YouTube channel. So please check that out. Um, my email is monica at superheroesnutrition.com. So like I said, if you're looking for a change, you want to get fit, and you need some extra push in the right direction, then this is the cert- um, certainly the place to get started. Thanks so much. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. What is up? It is your boy Johnny Mag back at you once again for another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Joined as always with, and uh, we'll quickly get into this, man. We'll jump right into the show. Uh, let's talk about well, quickly. Uh, if you guys have any emails for us, uh, email us at allangelspodcast at gmail That's allangelspodcast at gmail Any questions, comments, concerns that you might have. Uh, for the show or for us, uh, just email us there and we'll do our best to answer our qu- your questions and comments or uh, give our opinions on your comments uh, here on the show. Where can they find us on social media, Daniel? Yeah, it's going to be Halo underscore Haven on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, give us a follow again. It's Halo underscore Haven. 
on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. Now, uh, we quickly, let's touch on the poll question of the week. Uh, uh, we talked about what the Angels needed. We Actually, we were talking on the last couple podcasts, we're going to start talking about what the Angels are going to need to do in the offseason to improve this ball club. Uh, what was the poll question that we answered, we asked this week? Yeah, just for people that haven't uh, listened before or this is your first time, uh, I try to post, you know, before a pod- the week before a podcast, I like to uh, put up a question and let you guys vote on it. <coughs> at, again, on Twitter at Halo underscore Haven and on our uh, Facebook page. Just look up Halo Haven on Facebook. Um, but this week's question was, uh, where do you think the Angels' priority should be in the free agency coming up? And your options were starting pitching, third base, first base, and second base. And surprisingly, um, starting pitching uh, ran away with it with 69%. Third base had 20%. First base and second base both had 5 and 6%. Uh, so the majority, definitely the mass majority picked starting pitching. So uh, where did you vote? I leaned towards the pitching night. When, on my comment on the Facebook page on Halo Haven, I had posted, don't want to go with the obvious answer, but I'm going to go with pitching because you can never have too much good pitching. And now I'm not saying the Angels need to go and get Jake Arrieta or, or get a Kershaw or anything. Not that there's anything like that out there, but I feel like if they can get a solid number two, number three guy in the middle of that rotation, not only does it give you an extra solid arm, but you know it gives you that option where a guy who is on the cusp of making the rotation, you could probably let him... You know, be a long reliever in the bullpen, maybe start him at AAA. Just in case if there is injuries like there was this year, you can bring him up, whoever that may be. Um, but pitching, in my opinion, you can never have too much good pitching. Um, so that's why I lean towards uh, the pitching side of it because pitching wins you championships. You right. know, that's, a, that's what they say. So you can never have too much good pitching. So I went with the pitching side. I personally went with third base. But going back to your pitching, you know, I kind of thought – that for when I first typed everything out, that's kind of where I was leaning towards. Right. And then looking more into the numbers and looking more to what the Angels did last year with their starting pitching again, um, you know, 44 wins. So that's these are all AL ranks 44 wins. So that's 14th. Um, ERA was six in the AL. Um, you know, so it wasn't terrible, especially considering all the injuries they've had uh, throughout the year with Skaggs, Richards, uh, Shoemaker, JC Ramirez. A lot of guys that you're expecting to be bigger parts of your rotation end up getting hurt, uh, seeing limited action. Right. So it's hard for me to say let's sink money into a starting pitching when you really, as an organization, don't know fully yet what you have in that rotation because you haven't had a full healthy year from you know most of those guys. Um, so we have a sound from uh, Baseball Tonight, a podcast with Buster Olney. Uh, he interviewed... Um, Epler, Billy Epler from the Angels GM, and the discussion they had was about the pitching rotation and the injuries and what they're going to do moving forward. Here we go. Um, well, I think we're going to get a little a bit of an indication from from Shu um, and JC, who are both you know guys that are going to end the year on the on the disabled list, but um, they are you know or at least in Shu's case is actually actively throwing right now and JC will be behind him. So we'll, we'll get a little bit of an indication of, of what we can expect, uh, you know, heading into spring training, just from a, a, a standpoint of, 
you know, who's going to be able and if there's going to be guys, you know, within that group that are that are unable. You know, I mean, we will have uh, Nick Tropiano coming back. Unfortunately, we, we will have lost Alex Meyer for what what feels like it's going to be all of 18 um, or at least a very significant portion of that. Um, but we'll we'll have some some guys coming back. Hopefully, we'll get some good news as as you know we get a little deeper into fall and and can really assess you know the, the situations with with JC and and Shu and and you know the the indications right now are positive. But uh, but I mean that it, it's going to be a depth game for us, and I don't I don't think there's any way you know around that. Is just we're going to have to show up in spring with you know eight to nine guys that we feel comfortable with taking a turn and. We'll probably have to grab a couple along the way, whether that's via minor league free agency or a guy, you know, developing internally, such as a, a you know, one of our top prospects is a, a young kid named Jaime Berea, who's really made a name for himself and and really moved through the organization, uh, you know, at a, at a pretty rapid pace this season, and um, you know, and then we'll rely on some of the guys to come back healthy, like such as Nick Tropiano. So it, it's going to have to be a situation where. Where we're, we're comfortable with seven or eight at least in spring training, and then looking for two, three, four more to emerge, and and that's just our reality, and we can't be blind to that. Man, uh, he touched on a lot of good stuff there. Being realistic is one one of them. So I like what he said. You know. Yeah, yeah, too exactly. They want to get these guys back. A JC, a shoe should be fine for the beginning of the year. Trope. You, Tropiano is coming back from Tommy John. Um, you know, it's kind of sucks to see that they're not going to have Meyer back because he was showing a lot of promise, but he might come back towards the end of the year. Um, that's still kind of up in the air. But if you have JC, Shu, uh, Trope, Skaggs, Richards, Haney, uh, Bridwell, I mean, that's seven pitchers that you can comfortably throw out there. And yeah, maybe there's not one dominant front line pitching, but if everyone pitches to where they should, you know, Richard Richards could probably easily be that guy, but you still have really good depth at that position. Right. So you leaned towards third base. Okay. And the big name that everyone's throwing out there is Mustakis. Yes. Uh, Twenty nine years old. He's with Kansas City. Going to hit free agency um, again. Kind of with the free agency and being an Angels fan, I kind of got we've gotten burned by it so many times as fans with. Um, whether it's the Josh Hamilton contract more recently, or if you go back to Mo Vaughn, the Vernon Wells, Vernon Wells, uh, Gary Matthews, Matthews Jr. I mean, for every um, Vladimir Guerrero and Torrey Hunter signing you have, you have you know probably four or five absolute busts. You know, Albert. Right. You know, some people will be leaning towards the bust, but you know, if you can get Mustakis here and sign him and have him at a reasonable cost, and you don't absolutely tear up. Um, your payroll and give him, you know, a huge 10 year, uh, you know, contract. Cause again, he's 29. So I would like to see if you can get him like a six year, seven year, more comfortable that way. Uh, I think 10 year, you're kind of yeah. going yeah. way overboard. Um, but I, I like Mustakas as a pop, get some pop to that lineup. Cause when you look up the stats for third base, um, you know, these are all, all AL stats. So in hits, they're 11th in home runs. They were 10th. And RBIs are 14th, and an average are 14th. So that's all bottom half, and almost like an RBIs and average dead last in the AL at that position. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I agree with I. I see the third base being an option. I talked to uh, a couple of people on the uh, Halo Haven fan page on Facebook. They talked about if we pick up Mustakas, what does that do? Where does that leave Valbuena? We've talked about it before. 
Balbuena came up as came up as a middle infielder, put him at second base, and then you don't have to worry about second base as much, you know. Um, played two hundred and nine games in his career at second base, five hundred and some odd at third, and about one hundred and sixty to one hundred and eighty at first. So second base is uh, his second position. Yeah. That's an option for the Angels. You pick up a guy like Mustakis, you don't have to worry about second base at least for this year. You got a guy like Cowart who can fill in. Right, and then too, like if you if you do get Mustakis at third, it frees up like you're saying Valbuena to play second base, and then if Crone, if Crone's struggling, he he can go first, to first base. Third, third if Mustakis needs a day off. So if they are able to sign Mustakis, they are able <clears throat> to get a little more depth with. Valbuena being able to fit in where he needs to be put in and not being pigeonholed in one position right. where I think down later in the season they would like uh, Unel to take some at-bats against lefties, you know, and then keep them for coming off the bench if, you know, if the matchup presents itself. But, you know, I think if they sign Musakas, it helps the depth. It helps them and they really need as far as some kind of pop in that uh, third base spot in the lineup. Yeah, so I'm going to quickly read an email that was sent to the All Angels Podcast at gmail.com by Rob Lastings. He actually sent two questions, but I'll read the second half of his question because that's what we're talking about right now. So it sounds like Upton may be opting out, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not resigning. Should the Angels make a move at resigning him? What do you think, Daniel? I think so. I think that should probably be one of the main priorities, even more so than third base, because if you can get him still on the team and being able to re-sign him or, I don't know, maybe convince him to opt in. Um, your outfield set with him, Trout, and Calhoun, I mean, that's a really good uh, really good outfield you have. And I just, we were talking about it earlier, I don't know how or where he would get more than, you know, $22.1 million in the next contract. Yeah. I mean, I I, I think the deal right now is a really good deal, 22 per per year almost. Um, so if he does come back, you're gonna have, obviously he's asking. He wants a little more. Um, so I, I say, why not go for Upton if he can pr- produce like he did all year long for right. both the Tigers and the Angels towards the end of the season? He went off on a little home run tear there, and At the end, yeah. so you know, 30, 30 plus home runs, hundred plus RBIs, batting the two high eighties. I'll take that. You know, I'll take that. Yeah, I just, I just think he's probably gonna try to get a couple because right now, if he opts in, he has four years left. Right. I personally think he's gonna try to get maybe that fifth, sixth year in the contract, seeing that this will be his last chance to get a big contract, him right. being 30 years old, or going to be 30 by the next season start. So, uh, again, I guess it all comes back to what you, how much you pay to how much they, they produce. If you're paying a ton of money, you better hope he produces great numbers. You know, And if you have that inkling where you're not sure if he's on his decline or what, you know, you got to be really cautious about backing up the truck and kind of, you know, oh, here, take $30 million, right. Here, take $25 million for six, seven years. And now you're kind of put in the position you are now with Albert where it's the end of the career and the production is way down, but you're still paying him a ton of money. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned it before, uh, uh, front-loading the contract and having the back end being... Right, if they're able to do that, that would be, be great. So yeah. since you talked about Albert, you had download, uh, downloaded a soundbite uh, of... Uh, Billy Upper talking about uh, Albert Pujols, right? Yeah, and again, it's the same podcast, uh, Buster Olney and uh, ESP, uh, Baseball Tonight. Um, again, just kind of talking about <clears throat> Albert and where they see him going with this season um, into the future with the Angels. That, that's absolutely it. You know, the, fo- the focus will be, you know, the conditioning work and kind of some, you know, a lot of functional movement. Um 
uh, you know, kind of kind of exercises and and things that he'll be he'll be focused on. Um, but uh, you know, it's going to be you know, kind of managing that that conditioning and just having an opportunity to 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 rest for a period of time and let 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 his body recover. You know, I mean, if you're if you're undergoing surgeries each year and, you know, I think it was one year October and the other year November and you're, you're managing those kinds of surgeries and then you're going right into rehabilitation, you haven't given your body a lot of opportunity to, to, you know, let, let its natural healing, you know, take place. And, and then that natural healing with, that comes with sleep and that comes with rest because you're always got somewhere to go and always got some rehab to do and always have some, some, some exercises that you have to, you have to, you know, get underway. And, and so I think when you have that, that chance to, to take four weeks, six weeks, and just do nothing but sleep and rest, your body actually has a chance to, to help repair itself. And then you put together a program, um, you know, based on, on the needs that you have. And, and for Albert, that's going to be, you know, um, maintaining a lot of functional movement um, so that, you know, he can, he can run with as little pain as possible. And, um, you know, what he endures and what his body goes through is, um, uh, you know, is quite a lot. And I think, you know, us in the, in the public, um, don't really, you know, get a sense, um, of in fact, what, what he is going through on a day-to-day basis with, you know, with the, with the knees and the ankles and so on and so forth. Well, you know, that answers a lot. I mean, you know, we all joke around about how Pujols runs with a piano tied to his back. Um, but, I mean, obviously, you know, like you've said, you've mentioned, if if the production that we get from him right now, you know, I'll take it, but I would like it maybe at 8 to $9 million per yeah, year. Yeah, cheaper cost. Like he's, yeah. yeah. You know, he, he finished the season with a 241 average, uh, 23 home runs, 101 RBIs. He was a team RBI leader. But, again... When you're paying the guy, you know, twenty six million, twenty seven million, you expect, you know, higher average, more home runs and stuff like that. But kind of what Epler was saying, they're they're feeling optimistic, and I guess I don't know how, you know, if he had any, any other option being in the front office, but um, Albert going through the whole off season without having a surgery and being able to um, rest and you know re- recover more than just trying to rehab a. a an injury on a, a surgery on a foot or surgery on a knee or something like that. So that'd be interesting to see uh, how that affects him. If it does help him, if maybe, maybe those power numbers come back up a little bit. Now that he has a full season, the off season, the rest of his legs and maybe some of that little, you know, like I said, the power comes back a little bit more, but uh, it'd be something to watch out for next season for sure. Yeah. Hopefully he can produce the RBI numbers again. And let's hope that average gets up a little bit and, you know, being the DH helps, you know. He doesn't have to worry about playing the field, so you know. He's hopefully, only, uh, what is it? Thirty-two hits away from the three thousand mark. Yep. So another milestone, hopefully, at Angel Stadium. Maybe the the curator will go again, and and uh, well, you can't get the hit ball. Right? It's a home that's run. how it's a home run. So hopefully, he'll be within distance of grabbing number three thousand. All right, fan interference and just reach your hand over. Yeah, and get that ground rule double. Stick your hand out there. All right, so we talked about it last week. We wanted to do our ear in review, or not ear in review, our season-ending awards. So this is the All Angels podcast slash Halo Haven, uh, Los Angeles Angels uh, end of the year award. So we talked about we wanted to do 
the curator uh, mentioned he wanted to do moment or, or moment or whatever of the year. You said, how about newcomer, right? right. Newcomer, necessarily, not necessarily a rookie, but a guy who wasn't in the organization. The Angels picked up, came in this year and did his job. Uh, defend, defender, defensive player of the year. Right. Uh, did you pick a rookie? I picked a okay, rookie. Okay, yeah. rookie and MVP. So let's start. Let's start with the newcomer. Um, I'll let you go first. All right, mine. Uh, this guy was actually picked up by the Angels uh, through a trade. Um, he was traded from Milwaukee to the Angels for Jet Bandy in December, you know, of sixteen. So right before uh, the, se- the season started, I think personally think he's going to be a Gold Glove winner, a catcher. Okay. But I picked Martin Maldonado as the newcomer. Just because when you look at his stats and you look at what he's done uh, behind the plate, um, I still can't get over the fact he played 138 games as a, as a catcher. That I wrote that down. That's amazing. That, that to me is this mind-boggling that a guy in a position like that that is this physically demanding, you're constantly squatting and knee problems and everything, and you know maybe you have a, get a, coll- a collision at the plate and maybe you need a couple of days off. No, this dude played 138 games. Um, 14 home runs, career high there, 38 RBIs, career high there. Um, again, and me personally, I feel he is going to be a gold glove winner behind the plate. Awesome. I like that. I like that. I went a little different because Martin is going to be on my list as we get for moving on. Uh, I picked newcomer of the year. I picked Blake Parker. Uh, Blake Parker was key coming out of the bullpen, especially late in the season. He took over that closers role. But he came in in spring training and was just striking dudes out. Nice. Uh, in spring training, we were like, who's this Blake Parker guy? And he won a job when no one ever – he wasn't even a thought in the Angels' minds to, to be on the uh, major league roster coming into spring training. Ended up staying there the whole season. 71 games, uh, 67 and one-thirds innings pitched with a 2.54 ERA, eight saves, and what sticks out to me, 86 strikeouts and 67 and one-thirds yeah. innings pitched. Yeah, it, to me that he he was definitely one of the guys that I was thinking of in a couple different spots. Right. Um, for you, for people that don't know, um, kind of a weird journey to get to the Angels. He was actually on the Angels in October of sixteen. <clears throat> was waived. New York or Milwaukee picked him up. Then Milwaukee waived him, and the Angels picked him back up. This yeah. is all within like two months. Yeah. So then, yeah. So he ended up the season on the Angels with like a non-roster invited to spring training, and next thing you know, like you said, he was just mowing people down. And he parks. He lives in an RV, That's, which is in Anaheim awesome. during the season. Which, you know, as you know, I like going camping. I'm like, that's freaking awesome. Bro. Yeah, and then you you send us that that message. Where yeah, we went from here all the way, way back, back to, home. All yeah. the way back home, just boom, one shot. Yeah, I, I picked I picked Blake Parker solely for the fact, like Daniel said, that he lives in an RV. RV. That's enough. Like he didn't even have yeah. to pitch. Blake RV Parker. Yeah, that, that <laughs> was Blake Trailer Parker. Trailer Parker. Trailer Parker. Two, uh, I like we got, that. We Trailer Parker. We yeah. need to make some stickers. Yeah, I, I think, you know. Yes. Again, one of those guys that's coming off the books, hopefully um, he's probably going to make a little more than the fifty six or $560,000. Well-deserved, though. Yeah, so if you can get him next year for another, like, you know. I'm sure they would. One or two million dollars for a couple of years, you know, and I'm see sure how he, it goes. I'm sure he's coming back. They yeah, just so. should not pass on that. Okay, so that's awesome. We picked different people there. Okay, so moving forward, let's go with pitcher. Uh my pitcher of the year, I, I'll go first this time. I went with J.C. Ramirez. Um, yeah, I went with J.C. Should I go with J.C.? Yeah, I went with J.C. I have two written down. Whoa. 
paranormal activity going on here. I'm with JC because and and I had I had Parker on the I had Parker there, uh, but he's on my list later. Uh, JC Ramirez, again, a guy who came in. I don't think the Angels expected him really to make the starting rotation coming in a spring. He got in there. He he got hurt at the end of the season. But check these numbers are not bad, guys. Twenty-seven games pitched, one hundred and forty-seven and one-thirds innings, one eleven games. He lost ten, but you got to remember the Angels had a, a up and down kind of like first half of the season where we just we were just kind of playing below five hundred. Uh, Four point one five ERA is a little high, but JC showed a lot to me. I like JC as my pitcher of the year because obviously you know Garrett was down, Skaggs was down. I wanted to go with Parker, but he's on my list later. So my pick was J.C. Ramirez. And that's not a bad one, too. And, I mean, he could have easily fit, too, in the newcomer um, realm, too. Yeah, he, he, was a, he was a newcomer. He was a signing in the offseason. Um, for me, mine is – I was really close to putting Blake Parker in that pitching okay. spot. And then I started looking – I started comparing some numbers. And then when I started comparing the numbers, this – this guy just kind of stood out to me. Um, and it's the Angels pitcher of the year, uh, Petit. He won, for you guys that didn't go to Saturday's game, he won the Nick Aiden Hart Award for Angels pitcher of the year. But he did he did literally everything the Angels asked him for. Whether yeah. it was closing, whether it was starting. starting, whether it was the eighth inning, whether it was long relief. He did everything. I mean, you look at his innings, 91 innings in which – by far the most by any reliever in that bullpen. Um, finished with a 276 ERA. Very good, very good. Um, you know, and I, I I still don't believe this stat, so I don't know if I did it right or I looked it up right. He came in with 20 inherited runners. Wow. He didn't give up any. Wow. So with that alone, I was, I'm thinking to myself, you know, how is this guy not? Uh, batting average against is 207. Um, so without a doubt, my pitcher of the year was uh, Petit. Nice. Okay, we had options. That's good. It was we had options there, and people were talking about how bad our pitching was. Well, look at we, we had options here. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's go with defender or defensive player there. Who is your defensive player there? I mean, I don't think there's any much discussion about it, but uh, you know Simba. I mean, there's nothing else really you can say about him that no one hasn't hasn't said already. Again. Kind of like a Maldonado, I believe he will be a Gold Glove winner. Um, he was the co-MVP with the Angels and Mike Trout. Um, but for defensive purposes, I mean, defensive war was 4.2. There's no one even close to that. Defensive run saved was 32. The next closest guy was like 5. <laughs> you know, so just looking back at it, played 158 games. Right. So, I mean, he literally played almost every single game right. throughout the year. Um 14 home runs, 69 RBIs, which the RBIs was a career high, 19 stolen bases, which was a career high, um, you know, and, and he walked. He got on base. He had 47 walks, which also was a career high. So he had a really great year, 278. He had that stretch, which really sold me, was that stretch when Mike went out and yeah. he was able to pick up the slack, and that's when he went on his little mm -hmm. his little tear. But defensively, um, there's nothing. there's nothing that you can't – that he can't get to if it's even near oh, yeah. left field or shortstop or even probably closer to where you think a third baseman would get. Right. Now, I I didn't go with Andrew 10 because I knew you would, mm -hmm. and I knew everyone else would. 
because he's Andleton Simmons. Okay, he's gonna be on my list later. Mine was Martin Maldonado because right. that guy saved so many runs just blocking the play. It was a pitch that uh, who I don't remember who threw it. Thirty-six foot fork ball in the ground. Might have been Parker, and there was bases loaded. And I don't know how Maldonado stopped it, but he stopped it. And he's he he did that all year long. Um, I don't know what I don't know if you have the numbers on Maldonado at all, but his just his I I don't know. I think he was maybe second to maybe uh, or maybe he was first to Salvador Perez and uh, stolen base percentage. No, he was first. There you go. Uh, Martin Maldonado saves runs or at least stops a running game because of that cannon arm, quick pop-up move. Like you said, I see him being a gold glover soon. And the fact that he played 100 and what? 138 games? 38 games. 138 games behind the plate. That is insane, man. That is a throwback to old school baseball right there. So yes, my defender of the year, my defensive player of the year is Martin Maldonado. All right, so rookie of the year. I'll go first this time. My rookie of the year, it was a talk, it was close for me. And then when I really thought about it, I went with Parker Bridwell as our, my rookie of the year for the Angels. Uh, Keenan was right there, but Parker Bridwell pitched in 21 games, uh, 121 and one thirds inning pitched. Uh, he went 10 and three with a 3.64 ERA. This kid came in to the rotation when JC went down. Right? Yeah, he was spot starting, I think, a little bit before. Yeah, but yeah. came in, pitched a few games, and we were like, just instantly, we, I, I was impressed with his command, his approach to the game. He looked like wiser beyond his ears to me. So instantly, I was kind of drawn to this kid, and then he ended up finishing a little slow. He had a, a few starts where it kind of tailed off, but we got to remember, kids never pitched more. I'm sure he's never pitched more than 121 and one-thirds innings before in his career, 21 games. Parker Bridwell kind of kept us in there and, and became the guy that we even at one point said, if the Angels make the one-game playoff, is Parker Bridwell going to be the starter? Right, absolutely. And, and we and we were kind of agreed with it. So Parker Bridwell is my rookie of the year for the Angels. Yeah, and actually that's probably the one we uh, agreed on. The one so okay. far we agreed on. I picked Parker also. <clears throat> I And I honestly, when you look at the rookies, whether it was um, Coward at second or whether it was um, Middleton in the bullpen. I think Bridwell was the runaway winner for me. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't really close. And like you were saying, with his 121 uh, innings, yeah. Before that, he had three innings in the big leagues, three in the third innings in the big leagues. So for this kid, again, and he's a kid. He's 25 years old. So yeah. it's not like um, he peaked out or anything like that. This guy, if he keeps on getting better, this uh, it can be a solid rock in the Angels' uh, rotation for the next few years. But when you look at his numbers and look what he's able to do. Um, he was a runaway, I think, with the Angels, like MVP or uh, Rookie of the Year, because uh, he's a ten and three. I think the Angels for his first handful of games they won, whether he got the win or not. The Angels won, so yeah. it's it's kind of crazy that to think that this guy was just pretty much given away by Baltimore for uh, a player to be named later or cash, which I still don't think they yeah have said who's going where, but right. I mean, again, from his first game in Atlanta, um, you know, he won that game. He pitched six innings. And then, you know, he has little troubles, you know, early on. But you look towards the end of the year, it, 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 was, it was something that was really great for the Angels to, to see and have promise in his last month of starts. Three and one, you know, with a 
397 ERA, a little high, but batting average against is 236. He's a quick worker. He's a ground ball guy. He, he doesn't mess around a lot. He gets in, gets gets out, and and he really depends on that uh, on that defense to, to, to help him. And yeah, he just he's pitch to contact. Yeah, he's something someone that I think everyone should be looking out for next year. Right. And and my runner up was Keenan. I said it. So I'll quickly. 64 games for Keenan, 58 and a third inning pitched, 63 K. So that's high strikeout uh, guy with 3.86 ERA, pitched in some some pretty clutch situations for the Angels. So there good things to come for Keenan. Um, so let's right. not forget about him. But all right, so here it is, drum roll, MVP for the Angels season. Who'd you have? I'm going back with my Defender of the Year. That's why I kind of went on a rant because. Uh, <laughs> He's also my MVP, yeah. uh, Simmons, and I don't know how, you know, I think everyone has the name Mike Trout, and everyone loves Mike Trout, and with, with he and he deserves everything he gets, that's fine, but if you're just looking for a year, just this year, <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's crazy. His war was at 7.1, which I think was like top three, top four in the majors, um, Going back to his stats, 14 home runs, 69 RBIs, 19 stolen bases, uh, 331 on base percentage, um, everything being career highs, possibly a gold glove, should be a gold glove. Um, picking up the slack when Trout went out, I don't, I don't see how anyone can argue that Simmons isn't the MVP for the for the Angels this year. And we agree again. Uh, my guys, Simba, number two, Anderton Simmons, 158 games. Pretty much played the whole every yep. game. 278 ERA, or uh, batting average, tailed off there at the end, but still was very consistent throughout the whole year. Um, 69 RBIs, almost at 70. That alone, his offensive numbers, those numbers offensively, I'll take all all day long. Um, people were so upset when we traded away Eric Ibar. Anderton Simmons, come on. I mean, he's still young. Right. Uh, we still have him under contract for like three more years, two, three more years. Um, Andleton Simmons, like you said, picked up the sack when Trout was down, was the guy who was driving in runs when Trout wasn't here, when Trout missed six weeks. Um, I just feel like Andleton Simmons is deserving of the Angels MVP. And, and to me, he, he was the Angels MVP this season. Uh, there was a there was a email, let me get to it here, sent to the All Angels podcast. At gmail.com, if I can get to it. Here. And just while you look at that up, uh, I mean, if you look at just his summer, so from June 1st to August 29th, Simmons, again, 76 games played, um, nine home runs, 40 RBIs. This is in the middle of his hot streak. He was batting 298. So, again, that summer period where Trout was out, he was able to pick up the slack. You know, again, if he batted 298, that would have be, been a career high for him. Uh, on base percentage was 344, slugging was 468. So, you know, just that summer of able to keep the Angels in the running for that second wild card spot was to me. Consistency, too. Yes. Consistency. Okay. It's from Rob Lastings, who had sent the email about, you know, re signing up then. He said, Okay, my question. What BS was that? Angels voted Trout and Simmons MVP? Come on. Uh, well, all. We all know, yes, Trout should get some recognition, but that's an obvious choice. Simmons, to me, was an MVP on the Halos this season. So we're not in total disagreement. disagreement. Chris, who is your MVP for the Angels season this year? Uh, without a doubt, Simmons. I think everyone's 
right? You know, has to come to some type of agreement on that one. Yeah, I mean, Trout is so obvious, and like, like, like I Rob mean, said. I think part of it, though, is you're trying to keep Trout happy. I guess. You're, you're trying to make him a happy camper, especially, you know, when it's his But you would think he'd be understanding that. Yeah, that of, he was, but I the think. The athlete he, ego is very fragile. But yeah, you're right, yeah. So. I think that was part of it. Okay. Trying to do little kid gloves there, but. Uh, okay. I mean, if that's what it was, then okay. I mean, but you can't argue the numbers, too. 30-plus home runs, about over 300. But the reason why they were even in it was because of Simmons. Right. Okay. Okay. So that was our awards. End of the year awards. End of the year awards. <laughs> um, I, I liked them. I know we, yeah. we weren't all in total agreement. We right. Had our, absolutely. You know, but I mean, for the most part, it was the same guys just in different spots. Right. So mm -hmm. that's pretty cool. All right. So there was a, an, an email sent again to allangelspodcast at gmail.com by Daniel Ortega. He wrote, so now that the dust has settled and cleared, I keep reading, here we go again. I keep reading online the negative comments on social, and it's getting very old. I saw a post about how Butcher and Black are now coaching playoff teams and how social was holding them back. Really, guys? Really? That's BS. I by no means am a social fan, but as far as to blame him for every loss and every miscue is downright dumb, in capital letters. At some point, players must perform and take the blame. I'm not saying Sosha doesn't make mistakes because, oh my God, he does. But comments like Butcher and Black are uh, Butcher and Black are playoff coaches now because they left Sosha is stupid. Okay, I had to rant rant over. What do you think about that, Dad? No, I've always been a Sosha guy. I mean, just in the fact that you look at his his records. I mean, you have guys like uh, Terry Collins from. From New York Mets. Former They're, Angels manager, by yeah, the way. They were in the World Series three years ago, two, three years ago, and now he's out of the job. You know, and they have... Uh, he's available. He's available. <laughs> Terry, are you listening? Yeah. So, I mean, it, I think managers sometimes take too much heat for sometimes using the players to play. Um, this will be this was Socha's first time having back-to-back -back losing seasons, and it's not like it was by a lot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... For the 18 years he's been the Angels manager, he's never had back-to-back -back losing seasons until now. That's impressive, guys. And, and that's still with an 80 and 82 record. So it wasn't like it was, you know, a 74 loss or 77 loss season. So, you know, um, players have to play. And if you want to bring back Butcher, because I could have swore a ton of people were, were Oh, they it. wanted his head. Oh, we're gone. Yeah. And it's kind of different when you have a Zach Granke, a, you know, a um, and and Robbie Ray in a healthy rotation. A, a healthy too. rotation. You have Goldschmidt playing first base. Yeah, you JD know, Martinez JD going Martinez. off like a freaking so, psychopath. Yeah, I believe I, I I agree with the email that sometimes the players just have to play, and 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 the manager has no say in the matter. And you know, um, you, you see this a lot, and it kind of bugs me because I don't want to call people dumb, but I think there's a lot of dumb people out there <laughs> that. I don't know why they feel that they're right about where Sosha should, you know, lose his job or be fired when you go to any kind of magazine or any kind of publication where these guys are hired to follow baseball and pretty much unanimously everyone has said this is Sosha's best managing year he's had since he's been with the Angels. On cue, the dog every time we talk about Sosha, the dog gets intense. The dog knows that this is a hot topic. Uh, uh, thing, a top topic uh, uh, discussion, the Mike Social thing. So on cue, 
is the curator's uh, dogs. All right. Uh, last email was sent by Edward Vizcaino at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Good work on the show, guys. So after seeing the Yankees-Twins game, do you really think the Angels would have beaten the Yankees? Twins jumped out early, but damn, the Yankees are tough offensively. I just didn't don't think our pitching could have done much. What do you think? I think it would have been it would have been interesting just because of the fact that I do believe that the um, for guys for people that didn't watch it, it came down to a bullpen game. Both pitchers were out like in the first <clears throat> inning, two innings. So I would have liked the Angels' chances as far as the bullpen goes. Like I think if they would have had a if it worked out the same exact way to where, you know, you get all these runs early, you get all these runs early night at the bullpen game, I would like the Angels' chances better than the Twins because I feel that they have a better uh, a better bullpen okay. than, than the Twins. So I'm not saying they would have easily, um, easily would have, you know, beat the Yankees because the Yankees have a killer bullpen. Their bullpen's yeah, number three in the AL and ERA. The uh, Angels are fifth, but the Twins are all the way down in 12th. So... When it came down to a bullpen game, I think they would have been able to, um, you know, give them a better shot, give them a better fight. I, that's a tough one for me to answer. Um, I tend to agree with my co-host here, Daniel. I think bullpen. I, I have a, I had a lot of confidence in our bullpen this year, and, and the Angels. If you know, one game playoff situation, all hands on deck. So they wouldn't have necessarily had to go quickly to the bullpen. They could have gone. I mean, technically, it is a bullpen, but they could have gone to another starter in the second inning, whatever, whatever. But then you had a guy like Petit who could have pitched two, three mm-hmm. innings in between there and then closed out with guys like Parker, you know, stuff like that. So you just never know. That's a tough question to answer. Yeah. I mean, because and then too, it all – and again, kind of going back to the, the season we had, the, the, the issue the Angels had wasn't necessarily the pitching. It was more the offensive type. So, you know, the Angels are sitting there with the sixth best team – sixth best – Best team ERA in the AL, seventh in strikeouts and sixth in batting average against. So that I don't think would have been the issue. I think the issue for the Angels would have been producing those runs that keep up with yeah. the Yankees. I mean, because they finished in the bottom of a lot of categories or close to the bottom of a lot of court categories. They were 13th in home runs, 15th in hits, um, 11th in RBI, and 14th in average in the AL. So I think where they would have surpass the Twins in the bullpen, I'm not sure if they would be able to produce the same amount of Yeah, runs. especially against that tough, tough New York bullpen. pitching staff and bullpen, yeah. Okay, last question by Edward. Seeing that you guys are memorabilia collectors, do you have any cool stadium-used memorabilia? And if so, what's your favorite stadium piece? That's, that's the, more towards Chris. That's right? the curator. Like stadium I, like game used, Yeah, it or seems like, like stadium pieces? Or? It says here, stadium memorabilia. Uh, it says, uh, you have any cool stadium-used memorabilia? So I'm assuming pieces. Uh, and if so, what is your favorite stadium piece? Well, in the garage, uh, Edward, we have... We have five of the old orange seats from the old uh, Anaheim Stadium before the renovation. We have those, so that's what I was sitting in right there uh, behind the scenes. Um, so that's kind of a cool piece. We have two of the two actually more seats on the bus. Um, just came up like on a, a sweet plaque that came off from like yeah. outside one of the suites at the <laughs> yeah. stadium. So that's cool. Um, 
As far as game used, I have a Willie Willie Mays Aikens jersey from '79 season. Um, it's kind of a random jersey. Just came up um, last Saturday. A weird story, how or weird coincidence, how um, Andrew Romine played all nine positions on Saturday and actually found a game used rookie season Andrew Romine jersey that he only wore for a week. A fellow, actually the ultimate collector out there, Tom Duino, informed me that he only wore. Um, that high number for one week, so it's kind of um, it like really rare. Or? Yeah, like seventy-three. Yeah, yeah good memory, man. Um, so some of stuff like that. Uh, we have a locker room seat from the California Angels days, so the CA days. Came up on that at a local swap meet. So all sorts of random stuff. As far as game game use, I don't know, just random stuff. Troy Gloss, like a batting glove that was given to us by Angels memorabilia collector on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I love the, I love the game use stuff. It's fun. It's like you're having a piece of piece of history. Um, you could buy all the, you know, bobbleheads online for days, yeah. but, um, and those are coming straight from China to your, <laughs> to your collection. There's not, there's nothing else going on there, but having a piece of, you know, we have some of the pieces, a jar of dirt from the, um, 2000, 2010 all-star game, things like that. That's, that's kind of fun stuff. So always looking for that game you stuff. Yeah, my my favorite two my two favorite pieces that Chris has in here is a chair that he talked about because of the way he got it. That that thing is sweet. I mean, that is a clubhouse chair, and he found it at a swap meet at a flea market. Like it's like the nicest chair you can. I mean, that thing is. Bo Jackson could have sat on that thing. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what's cool about it. And the other one was. You found a Brian Downing game use bat too at a swap meet? Yeah, the Brian Downing game use. It's like a huge worth big Tennessee thumper bat. This thing is massive. And you know Downing used yeah. it because he was, he was pretty uh, – Yeah, jacked up dude. Buff, he was, he was yeah. a buff dude before being buff at, and baseball was was a thing. So that those two are my favorite pieces of yours. And obviously the chairs. The chairs stand out because I remember the bright orange chairs as a kid growing up. Um, and then they later I think the upper deck had that like – Light brownish, not quite as yellow. It might have just been faded. I don't know. What, what's the? Tell them about the piece that you want. The piece that it's like your holy grail. Oh man, the holy angels, uh, big A. The, my holy grail is uh, an Anaheim Stadium trash can. I found one at the stadium, but they were using it in like, and it was in the uh, in the five hundreds, and it looked like it was a, like leading to a lounge where the ushers That's take like their the break. Old orange top. Old or? orange top. Anaheim Angels thing on the thing on the the guy could not let me. I asked one of the ushers if I can go in there to take a picture of it. He goes, I would, but there's a camera right here. And I don't want to get in trouble. So he, you know, he was a nice guy. And I said, Hey, what does it say on the front? And the guy goes, It says Anaheim Stadium. I'm like, that's the can that I want. So if anybody knows where I can get an Anaheim Stadium trash can, I know it sounds weird. Let me know because I want it. I want it. I know weird, but Hey, I'm the I'm the guy that walks through Angel Stadium, and if I see paint chipped off and I can see orange, I freak out. So that's why I want a trash can. Uh, so anyway, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to touch on, Daniel, before we head on um, out. Just to kind of give people a reminder that this is our last week weekly podcast. We'll probably get together again next month in October, probably after the World Series and everything. Or yeah. not October. Um, November after the World Series and everything like that, and hopefully by then we'll know we'll know about the Upton. We can talk more about that if he opts out. We can see options because by then everyone that has a team option or player option will have to to um, to 
declare one way or the other what they're doing. We can get more into the free agent talk. We can get more into who the Angels would like, who you think the Angels should resign. Um, but yeah, so you know, look for us again in November. Uh, the winter meetings are in December, so I'm sure there's going to be some news coming out of there. So we'll have one in December. But um, other than that, I don't know if you want to make a World Series uh, prediction. Prediction. I, I honestly, um, I don't want to, I don't want to pick a winner just yet. But I'll pick the two teams who I think will be there. I, I honestly think it'll be the uh, the Houston Astros versus. I'll go with uh, I'll go with the Washington Nationals. Mine's mine's a little almost like that, but I uh, I'm going Cleveland Nationals. Okay, Cleveland Nationals. Just I know um, that Houston pitching. The man. Houston pitching is great, but I think once you get past the Verlander and the Keiko and the Keiko, I don't think there's much after that. Yeah, um, where it seems like the the Indians can throw like three, four. You know, good guys. I think I think that's what's gonna come down to. I think it's gonna come down to that, those uh, three and four guy pitchers. Um, the bullpen, I give the advantage to Cleveland all okay. the way. Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. So I mean, again, if if the Astros do make the World Series, I'm not gonna sit here and be totally shocked and surprised. Yeah. But if I had to put money on it, if I had to put my rent money on it, I would definitely go um, Nationals and Indians. Okay, so you. You're not picking the Dodgers. Not picking. The, I don't even know. If, I don't even think the. Uh, they might not even get out of the next round with. I, with Arizona, yeah, the way they're playing. I don't want to say much, but yeah, Arizona, I think, won 11 of 19 head-to-head games right. against the Dodgers in the regular season, and the Dodgers won 103 games, so, you know. The only interesting part about that, they use their number one, number two starter in the same game, so you guys got to get yeah. down from that. Yeah, so, what, you have a, a Chris? I'm going, I'm, going, uh, I'm going Houston, Arizona. Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be nice. Arizona, World Series trip. Arizona's a sneaky, uh, sneaky team. World Series, uh, a little Arizona road trip. trip. A little Arizona road trip. Uh, no, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, all right. And I quickly before we leave, I just want to say a uh, big shout out, a big congratulations to Joe Hudson, the general manager of the Inland Empire Sixty Sixers, for winning Cal League general manager or is it executive of the year? Executive, executive of, of the year for the California League. We had an interview with him. Maybe we'll play it next next month. Next, next time, uh, next, our next, next podcast. podcast definitely. Um, we had, we <laughs> sat down and interviewed Joe. What about a month and a half ago? So something like towards that. The, towards the end of last, yeah, uh, the, the minor league system. And uh, we it was a he was more than happy to sit down with us. Sat down with us for about five minutes. Uh, we felt very welcome there, and he made sure that we were taken care of. So, Joe Hudson, congratulations on behalf of Halo Haven and the All Angels Podcast on uh, that achievement. Um, other than that, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you know, it's going to be a good pro season. It's been these games that we've been watching have been fun. It always is in October. Um, just if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever, allangelspodcast at gmail.com. And where can they reach us on the social media again? Dan? Yeah, uh, Twitter and Instagram are both at Halo underscore Haven. Uh, Halo underscore Haven. So look for posts. Look for us being out and about. Uh, during the off season, um, you know, try to put some more polls up, just you know, just to kind of keep you guys all uh, yeah, going and keeping baseball on the mind. Yeah, for sure. So, and then uh, shout out to everyone who listens and everyone who uh, comments on the Halo Haven pages and the guys who email the uh, the show. Um, email us and and if you guys hear anything or you have a question, we'll try to do our best to uh, give you our opinions. So, all right, thank you guys for listening. We'll see you guys next month. Uh, enjoy uh, playoff baseball. You guys have a great uh, rest of the month. Happy Halloween.
there are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 